Hi guys, and welcome back to Sophisticated Mess. This is part two of the Ron and Ron guest interview, so I hope that you're excited. I hope that you listen to part one, and this goes right into it, so if you haven't watched the previous one, you might want to go back and catch the tail end of it just so that you don't miss any parts of the conversation or you're not lost because we're going to jump right back into where we were. So, Um, I won't say anything more than that. I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to leave a rating and review. And yeah, let's just get right into it. Yeah. Well, I'm with you too. I I wish I would have risked a little earlier, to be honest with you. You you know what I mean? And that's that's where I do that, strike that delicate balance when I'm trying to coach my kids, you know, or trying to coach other people as entrepreneurs. Like if I would have started Edible Arrangements three, four, or five years earlier and just, you know, really gone out on a limb, I'd probably own the entire state of Ohio. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm, I mean, that, that's not an exaggeration. Like I probably, I mean, I might have sold them off by now or whatever the case may be. But like, just you know, I mean, a lot of success is just in timing. I mean, a lot of people like to pass themselves off as really, really smart. I, I mean, you have to be somewhat. You have to. I mean, you know, obviously, it's you know, opportunity meets preparation, and that's yeah. kind of where it comes from. Is that old adage? But sometimes you just need to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, right. You know, and and we were close. Like you and I got in kind of at a good time. If we'd have gotten in just a little bit earlier would have been a great time yeah so i so, started in 2008 or and you, you six late two, six yeah. november so of we, 06 we were a little right. little behind you yeah and we still had some really good growth years oh but, yeah well uh, and to start in the middle of a recession yeah actually for us we started right in killed the, it yeah. like we were all geeked up for like oh my god we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we thought 2008 was gonna hit us like a ton of bricks and all we did was grow yeah. we just got better prices on rent because landlords were getting killed. So another business lesson, right? You're, you know, the rest of the world is struggling, and we were in a business where people were still sending gifts, and we're in the gift giving business, or you know, right. And that's where, to me, the franchise dropped the ball when you talk about other people and control your destiny. Like we had these great opportunities to really drive attack there, and because we were making money, diversifying to other products and think about how we were doing our business, and they just kind of sat on their thumbs and rested on their laurels, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. if we would have done, like, and then we tried to put that stuff in when we started to go the opposite direction as we started to decline they were like yeah. oh crap now we've got a now we don't have any money <laughs> right right like now we got no capital to mm-hmm. invest in these types of things so mm-hmm. it was a it that was that was the downside that was when i first really felt the downside of franchising was their inability to proactively think about okay this is what goes up must come down, right? right? Like, I mean, there's going to be, this gravy train's not going to go on forever. So how do we try to sustain that? Well, again, you, back to business leadership, you're talking about strategic decisions that have to be made in a growth company, right? That 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 company the grew. foresight to make right. those decisions. A, a young guy started a, a company that caught fire mm-hmm. and grew really big, really fast. Right. And growth came as a result of just opening new locations he had a great idea right yeah, the, the, the idea was really solid so the growth wasn't a great strategic plan it was let's just open stores all over the place mm-hmm. and so that runs its course eventually you know? <laughs> yeah and that, that i mean and again but you learn these lessons from these people and that was you know that was the thing that you know i bet you you took kind of the same thing i did away from it as like okay like 
the, the, the adage that I kept repeating to my wife and like things that I said, we always have to, we're never as good as our best and we're never as bad as our worst. We're probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Right. So like mm-hmm. when don't let the highs get too high and don't let the lows get too low. Cause you're not that bad, but you're also not that good. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 A lot of people will convince <laughs> themselves that they're not that bad, but very right. rarely will they convince themselves that they're not that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was something we saw at the franchise too. They just thought they were literally that good. And instead of really thinking about it, like, you know, how do we really maximize the sustainability of each of our franchise owners mm-hmm. to make sure that they're incredibly successful? Mm-hmm. I, w- I mean, you can say whether or not this is true, but I would think that comes a lot from you being in the restaurant business. You've got to worry about your employees, how they're feeling, because that impacts your customers. You both have had experience at the very yeah. low level and then brought that up so you see what the needs are of the people that are underneath you and if they're not taking that into account I'm sure that I mean you felt that directly and how that impacted the business yeah because at the end of the day the employees are our customers right I never really looked as the end customer as our customers like in a leadership role that the employees are your your guests and however you make them feel and however they feel about you is typically going to translate to how they communicate with the people that buy from you, mm-hmm. right? So, and like you said, they've all got their own personal stuff going on. They don't care about you. They care about them. Right. You know, and you mm-hmm. have to figure out a way to care about them. That's right. They are the most important asset to a business, bar none. Hands down. No mm-hmm. question. And so if you're not good with people, you're going to have a very difficult time in business, both on the customer side and internally for sure. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you both started at the same time. You both grew exponentially. How many stores did you end up having, both of you at a time, of the edible stores? In my heyday, I had eight and was doing about $5 million in retail total between all eight locations. Wow. I had some, st- I, had, I had like a, a couple studs. Like yeah. Pittsburgh store was like 800, 900 grand almost. And my Youngstown location at that time was probably doing about 785. So I had two that really were so did you end up moving to ohio with the pharmaceutical company i did okay well i I got i got promoted i was a rep for 18 months Mm -hmm. and we went through an expansion for a drug called namenda which is for alzheimer's disease Mm -hmm. and they had to hire a whole new team of people and of course i I, i'm like i can manage people i managed people (laughs) before so i applied for the job and it's funny because the people that i started with called me up and they're like you're applying for the manager's job i'm like yeah they're like no you're probably not going to get it literally like I, mm. verbatim like mm-hmm. that was exactly what somebody told me i was like well no. we'll see you're right <laughs> you know see how it goes and then i got yeah i got relocated here from west virginia so at that time it was really my wife uh wanted to stay home with the kids mm-hmm. and i needed to make more money i mean i had to figure out a way to make that happen mm-hmm. so and that's when we got that's when we got reload that's we moved up here okay and and, and leaving southern west virginia was hands down without a doubt as hard as it was to do it's the best thing i ever did yeah i bet watching it in the rearview mirror i bet i mean it was i mean that's that's 20 some odd years for me there like all my friends family you know Mm -hmm. guys i play basketball with guys i grew up with Mm -hmm. you know local golf course my dad's there my mom's there everything but like i I would be okay if I was still there. I would be fine, you know, but right. I would not be in any way, shape, or form in the, you know, I, w- I w- would not have afforded me the opportunities it, had I not left. Mm-hmm. Same. I remember vividly um, how I felt that day that we left Oklahoma. And, you know, looking back, it was by far the best decision my mom 
ever made was getting us out of that environment and, and into a new environment. But it was tough, you know, thinking about leaving all of that behind. Mm-hmm. And I, I do remember it very clearly how yeah. I felt that day. But you learn from that lesson, right? Yeah. Like, if you're going to do this, I mean, you better get real comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is business. And I tell yeah. that. I'm like, I tell when people like, what, why do you think you're successful? I'm like, because you'll feel be hard pressed to find somebody that's more comfortable being uncomfortable than me. Mm-hmm. Like awkward conversations, not a problem. <laughs> Been in mm-hmm. a like, million times. Telling somebody how bad they are or how great they are, mm-hmm. not a problem. Getting mm-hmm. on a vendor's ass, not a problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm just, it just doesn't bother me, you know? You now I'm not as rude that. as I used to be. Interesting. Like, okay. I used to be a lot meaner. Like in my thirties, uh, if, if, if for, mid 40 year old me could go back and talk to mid 30 year old me, but like, don't be so rude mm-hmm. right away. Like you just, you don't have to be an asshole right away. Right. Like you got to reserve that for like the worst search. I would right. just go there right away. And then, and it, like, he's not like that. That's one thing I like about being around him and working with him is he's very methodical in his approach and mm-hmm. how he listens and how he really seeks to understand. Cause I have a tendency to just start talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's different, but it's a good combination. You know, it's a good combination. It's a nice balancing. Cause I, the last thing I ever wanted to do with this team was surround myself for people that think or act like me. I want a whole bunch of people that don't think and act like me and people that are un- very comfortable disagreeing with me mm-hmm. because I got enough people in my life that tell me how great I am. <laughs> I mean, most of them I sign their checks. Uh-huh. Right? Right. So I don't well, need any more of those. You need on, feedback someone who's gonna look at you and say okay i know you think this is great but i think we can do this it's gonna make it a little bit better 100 so yeah it's hard to do when you're relying on a paycheck right to to pay your bills and to be honest in a work environment where there's risk associated with your honesty is is really difficult to do but successful owners will engender that type of like environment in their business like you have to you have to get comfortable with disagreement. But the other thing is I'll tell people, like, you also have to get comfortable that if you disagree with me, I'm not always going to agree with you. Like, right. you better bring a damn logical argument to the table. Like, because some people, like, I'm like, why? And then they'll be like, because. Mm-hmm. And then they freeze, right? right like, yeah. you haven't thought this through. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, like the decision we made this morning about what does the menu look like? Mm-hmm. You have three options. Which one do you like? Well, option three. Well, why do you like option three? You know, you need to have some right, you basis for why, why you right. chose that over option one and mm-hmm. two, but it can't be just, well, it feels, you know, that right. just my gut feeling. Well, that doesn't work. You really need to have it rooted in some sort of business logic. Right. So mm-hmm. I remember one of the early conversations when I first started Edible Arrangements, the girl was like, can I have a, we need a suggestion box. I'm like, no. And she was like, okay. And I'm like, that's it. That's all you got. Like, you're not going to make an argument. Right. And I was like, every, just assume every answer is going to be no out of pocket. And then you have to make an, and then of course she made an argument and I was like, still no. And I was like, because I'm like a suggestion box is just an opportunity for you to complain without signing your name. Anonymously. Right. Yeah. I'm like, if you have a problem, just come tell me yeah, about right. it. And like, like when we write stuff here, we sign our names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We always put her name on it. And uh, of course, then she was comfortable talking to me about issues that she had that she wanted to see where there was change or options. So at least it was, there was a dialogue there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I just want people to think about like the people that work for me, I want them to have a rationale as to why it is they want to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, show me that you put some thought into it. And I think, well, in terms of uncomfortability, uncomfortability, I mean, people are always going to default to the safest option. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's why a lot of people don't take the risks they should. And they're ruled by the fears that they have, the insecurities that they it have. Is. And I feel like you two are very 
fearless in everything that you take on. It's like, or at least you have the confidence that you can figure it out. You know, you're self-reliant in that, well, no matter what happens, I'll be able to figure it out right. and work through it. Well, we're self-aware, I think, mm-hmm. is what kind of sets us apart, too, because like a lot of people will be like, I just want you to tell me the truth. No, you don't. You want me to tell you kind of what you want to hear, right? And mm-hmm. like, as long as you're okay with it, you want me to tell you the truth. You don't want me to tell you like, no, that sucks. That's a mm-hmm. terrible idea, right? right? Like, or I think that's a terrible. So right. I think when you're self-aware, right? Like, I really don't get my feelings hurt when people tell me it's a terrible idea. I might be a little salty at the beginning, but then as I <laughs> marinate on it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you can be like, yeah, maybe, that, that, maybe that, you're that, right. he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or she's right. Like, that's... That's not the best way to move the forward. The best work environments are collaborative. Uh-huh, I mean, so, yeah. I don't. Ha- I mean, I know where my strengths are, and I know where my weaknesses are. I need those people around me that can that can help me in those areas that I just don't do well. And creativity right. is one of them. You know, I'm an yeah. analytical thinker, and when it comes to creative, which is interesting because I have a I like marketing. I like, right. <laughs> but I'm not right. a creative. You know, right. it's right. A, but I like the structure and the thought of how to create a marketing organization but the creative side is just not me so I need creatives around me Mm -hmm. yeah and so building that collaborative work environment where I'm okay if your idea is better than mine I want your ideas to be good I want to be able to I want good people around me that have great ideas I don't want to be the one making all the decisions which frankly when I think about all the things that come your way and I was having this conversation with Liz, who is one of uh, the people that work in, in on our um, leadership team here at the Simple Greek. We were talking the other day about getting Ron's approval for something. And I'm like, man, that guy doesn't have to weigh in on every. He's hired <laughs> us to make some 100%. of these decisions. Right. Let's right. just make the decision. And yeah. if he doesn't like it, then, you know, he can ultimately trump it. But, um, yeah. you know, and Liz is super smart and very capable and while out of respect, you know, giving Ron the ability to weigh in is great, but the guy is incredibly busy. And just some being of, able some to these... see that it doesn't always have to go through the boss. You can make something, present it, and then, you know, take that off their plate. Well, and I think that's the challenge with like when young people hear the word leadership, you know what I mean? They think as a leader, you have to have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. Mm -hmm. As a leader, you have to be able to surround yourself with people who can help you find the answers. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you got to, can you acquiesce? Right? Can you, uh, you know, because I know, like, I try very diligently when I'm on calls with our boss, who's all our boss. Like, I'm constantly trying to say, this person you know, they did a great job with this and they did this. Like, I have no interest in, in, in taking all the credit because I get the credit for, you know, I had a franchisee just actually text me the other day and was like, hey, I had a, you know, a long conversation with Ron. It's the best conversation I've had with anybody that works for the Simple Greek in three years. <laughs> well, right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that's gr- I don't need to be the guy that had it. And I've worked for the Simple Greek for longer. Mm-hmm. So obviously, whatever conversation <laughs> yeah. he had with Ron was better than the conversation <laughs> he had with me. Right. But I get credit for hiring Ron. You know what I mean? Like, right. I get the credit for putting these people on my... I don't need all the credit for everything. Well, it like, takes the pressure off. It doesn't matter. I just, yeah. like... I think a lot of people think, you know, they want to be right. I have very little interest in being right. I want to win. <laughs> I just want to win. So you look at it from a long game. Uh, uh-huh, all the time. It's mm-hmm. always the long game, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to I want to win, right? Mm-hmm. Because winning 
you win in teams, you win with groups, and then when, when everybody wins, right? I, I'm right. not interested in just crowbarring my opinion or attitudes in everybody else. Mm-hmm. We don't all need to think the same. We don't all need to be alike. I mean, we've got to embrace those differences and everything like that. Like, you know, and I tell this to my son all the time because he has a very interesting group of kids that he's going to be playing basketball with this year, and he's a senior. And I'm like, you guys don't need to see the world the same way. You just have to see it to get the same way for 32 minutes a night every Tuesday and Friday. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right? Put everything else to the side. Right. right. It doesn't matter. Winning matters. Right. And and in this day and age, nobody cares about anything except winning. Like, the MVP doesn't come from some team that's 20 and 62. Like, that guy never (laughs) wins. I don't care if he's the best player in the world. doesn't make any difference. Right. Got to win. Right. Normally, the best player on the best team is the MVP. I mean, it's pretty much that simple. So unless you win, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. I, I tell my son all the time, like, the best basketball game I ever had, I lost. Nobody talks about it. Nobody. I scored 20 points in six minutes, and nobody knows. Except, wow. Oh except my for my God. dad. My dad's right. the only person that knows. Right. Because we lost. Mm-hmm. Right. So it didn't matter. So the team dynamic wasn't yeah. there. So. Right. So it's uh, – it's it's great just to work with a group of people like it's it's the most interesting professional group of people that i've worked with because for so long as as owners you know we've worked with you know hourly employees and everything like that so it's one of the one of the most exciting things about the 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 process we've been doing with the simple greek and some of the concepts and ideas that we're moving into is i'm working around a team of people who you know in like there are areas where they're smarter than me. There's areas where I'm smarter than them. But most all of like we're all, we're all working together towards a common goal because we just want to figure out a way to win. And everybody's on that train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't even really talked about what we're doing with the simple Greek. Mm-hmm. You know, the simple Greek being a, a fast casual um, pita and bowl concept, uh, Greek concept that's franchised. So, and so you started with Edible. You both grew it. And then that's how you met was through Edible. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know. In leadership with, roles, in, right? Right. Yes, ruffling, yeah. ruffling we're, we're some fruit feathers. Fruit summits or like we've been in the shipping meetings together. Yeah. And, and I think we really came together most times because we were making fun of whoever was like, uh. <laughs> we're like, who is this bozo up there? And like, there a lot of, lot of, lot of camaraderie in that. Mm-hmm. Well, you, just not being afraid to point out that there are better ways that this could be done. Well, we're always trying to be better, mm-hmm. right? We're, I don't think either one of us are happy not winning. And you talked about that a little bit. You got to put in the work, right? Yeah. You can't just say you want to win. I mean, this morning we were on the basketball court at 530 in the morning playing mm-hmm. basketball, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're not spring chickens. Anymore, right? <laughs> and, you know, uh-huh. it wasn't going well on the basketball uh-huh. court. And, uh-huh. you know, it's not going <laughs> you know, and it doesn't even matter that we're playing. I mean, these games don't mean anything, right? But they're we want to win, right? You know, that's yeah, the name you're both of the game. Competitive so. guys. Mm-hmm. But even in the world of franchising, where we have seven hundred franchisees, roughly uh, over a thousand stores, had over a thousand stores nationally. It's interesting to see how leaders are. You become an informal leader amongst your peers and franchising is just like in business where people migrate to the to the leaders of the business mm. and over time when you when you speak up and you make rational arguments and 
you know, your peers typically seek you out. And I think that's how both of us have grown over the years in, in Edible. You know, we're 12 years in, you're 14 years in, and we have a pretty big network of franchisees that seek us out for advice. Right. And headquarters seeks us out. Sure. Used to seek us out. More so back in the day, right? <laughs> well, I mean, when you're when you're a part of committees and councils, it does mean something that they value your opinion. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately is about winning. We have a financial interest in these businesses and we want to see them do well. Right. We at our peak were at nine stores and contracted for 10. And this goes back to mistakes made along the way, you know, and probably that overconfidence that we could do whatever mm-hmm. and it would work out mm-hmm. because we really hadn't experienced failure over the years, <laughs> you know, it hadn't, hadn't really been bit in the butt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yeah, I, let's just acquire another store. Let's just open another store. Let's just take more debt. You know, I just talked to you about debt a little bit ago. Debt is not good in in most cases. In some situations, highly being highly leveraged, thinking that it's all going to work out and not preparing for that storm Mm -hmm. because the storm always comes. It's just, when does it show up? Right. And And are you prepared for it? Well, the storm showed up and we weren't prepared for it. And so we ended up selling two stores and closing one so we went from nine to six Mm -hmm. but here's the thing we had to sell our best store to cover the the losses of our worst store Mm -hmm. that's not a good situation to be in no No. (laughs) so we made one giant mistake we expanded one store too many in a market that we should have never expanded in Mm -hmm. at a time when the brand was going through a transition. And as a result, it was a compounding effect of being in the wrong market at the wrong time with a brand that was on the decline. And it literally cost us a lot of money. Did you get shoehorned into doing it though? Absolutely right. Yeah. So that that was the exact same thing that happened to me. Yeah. And, and this is how the race has been for the 10 years that up to that point that we'd been doing this, yep. which is we felt like we could never grow fast enough. And all we were doing was opening stores and acquiring stores. And then the next call would come. Well, here's mm-hmm. another opportunity. Opportunity, You better do it or somebody else will. Right. Yep. And it's not their fault that I made the decision to continue to grow nope. and continue to, to invest. It's my fault, but it's that overconfidence and it's all always worked out it'll i'll find a way to do it i don't Mm -hmm. care if i have to work you know every day all day i'm going to do it and if they present it to you as an opportunity that you can't refuse as in you know they put a time limit on it like this is an opportunity that either you're going to take or someone else is going to take it from you well that's exactly right and you thinking that you're the most capable in that situation it's not a good business and it's such an interesting dynamic because you're so reliant on their web to generate your sales there's really no store loyalty right i mean most buyers of edible aren't they're married to the brand they're not married to the owner right right like simple greek's totally different like Everybody that a lot of people come there know that Sean Ferrer and I own the store down the street, right? Mm-hmm. They're not married to their brand. They know like there's local owners that, because right. they have to physically put their body in that store to get food. Right. 
I mean, 80 per, 60% of our customer base doesn't even live in Youngstown for mm-hmm. edible arrangements. They live everywhere else. They just know somebody that lives here that they're sending yep. to, right? So right. when they start telling you, hey, look, you know, because mine was Warren over, like, literally over in Niles. Yep. And they were like, somebody's looking at that market, and that was a big delivery market for me, right? I did a lot of business out there, so I pulled the trigger, and I opened that store yeah. and signed for another one. Never opened another one. Had to swallow that twenty grand, yeah. right? And then ended up closing that store. Luckily, I was able to get out of that contract and shut that bad boy down. And then we sold a couple stores like right at the right time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that allowed us to basically erase all of our debt. Mm-hmm. So back to risk and risk management. Fortunately, we weren't in a position where it put us into bankruptcy, but it could have. Right and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually pre-pandemic, you know, when the pandemic hit this year, we're th- I'm sitting on the plane thinking we're done. Right. <laughs> I mean, this thing is, this thing is over. All those things like, thank God I don't have any debt. I'm right. like, I, I'd be in deep trouble. Yeah. I, spent, I thought know. about that too. I was like, I got to pack up. I better be yeah, ready to move is, out of my apartment, come home. This is, uh, yeah. you know, it really was a, uh, an aha moment of everything that we have worked our entire lives four could have been gone Mm -hmm. that quickly Mm -hmm. and really the first couple of weeks of the pandemic it was pretty sobering um like uh, what are we going to do and again we're in a business the business model at least with edible arrangements is such that it's prospered during this time which you know you don't know till you get into it how it's going to play out and it's we feel very fortunate absolutely that it's it's gone well for this time period when so many other people are not seeing that same type of right. success mm-hmm. and so now we have another business opportunity that is in front of us that could be equally i mean it could be tremendous mm-hmm. and so it's complementary to the simple greek led by the same investor that's got a great idea really uh, the idea, I think, was kind of floated out there, and we refined it. <laughs> His right? idea was a little whack. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we, we right. had to rein it in a little right. bit, but but it was yeah. a collaborative effort of, of talking about okay, here's here's his big idea, mm-hmm. which you know, big idea people, that's what they that's do. What they, they do put right? big ideas 100%. out there, right? And then you figure out how to make it happen or something right. similar to you know, you refine it, and mm-hmm. that's what happened. And I we feel like that we've got something that's revolutionary in the franchising industry mm-hmm. that if we build this thing right is going to make a big big difference and so that's what we're that's the project that we're working on right now along with you know this transition phase of the simple greek and what the evolution of that brand is yeah. going to be as well and it's pretty exciting to be it's not like we have a lot of people on our team we have a skeleton crew of yeah. people right. <laughs> six people it's very you know, right and and what we're what's really the hardest thing is we still don't know what the market's going to look like no. right like i mean according to qsr magazine they expect a hundred thousand restaurants to close in the next right. six months right and we're thinking i mean this is a food service concept yeah. right mm-hmm. so but it's then re, re-envisioning but, what that's going to look like right. on the other side exactly and then we're trying but, but then we're thinking to ourselves is we're building are we building this out at exactly the right time mm-hmm. to come in as because i got news for you 
everybody's going to start. I mean, right now, grocery stores in this area, because we know some people that are pretty high up in the grocery industry, they're up about 25, 30%. Mm-hmm. And our business in Simple Creek is down about 25 to 30%, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more because catering has evaporated also, right? That people aren't going to the office. Right. So we're like, listen, people are not going to cook at home forever. Like, I, you understand <laughs> the dynamics of this right. country. Like, that's just not <laughs> going to continue, right. right? Eventually, things are going to ebb back the other direction. So are we going to be coming in with this what we think is a relatively ingenious thought process about and catering to some of the new normals I hate that term but that's right. where they are like could we come be coming in just right at the right time is that a possibility and then the beauty of what's happened with edible you know people are like oh you must be so happy your business is up i was like actually i prefer for my business to be down a little bit and people not to get sick and go to a baseball game right, right? i mean yeah. uh, but right. you're a business owner and you do what's necessary when the market dictates this is what you have to do mm-hmm. we're blessed because what, what, what looked to be in March that was going to be a tremendous stressor and, and a decimator for us has actually turned into an opportunity to allow us to basically do all these other things and not have to stress. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, so, you know, we're not, we, we can focus on just that one thing because the other thing's kind of taking care of itself. So we're very fortunate in that respect, in mm-hmm. my mind. So, and I wanted to ask too. So you, expanded you said you had six edible stores eight eight edible stores how did you go from that how did you even find the simple greek and was that (laughs) yeah because that doesn't seem like a natural progression yeah i was we had eight stores and i i I told Lori, i was like look i'm concerned about the long-term like viability of just being invested in one brand Mm -hmm. right just there's because you're not hedging your bets in any way shape or form like we're completely invested in just this brand right so i said let i want to diversify and we saw it on the show the simple greek was on a show called the prophet on cnbc marcus limonis Mm -hmm. and uh we had seen the show we really liked the idea of a build your own fast casual mediterranean concept Mm -hmm. because the mediterranean diet is a hot buzzword it's popular all these different types of things Mm -hmm. so we said well let you know we we didn't really like the concept when the show first aired because the partners that he was involved with Mm -hmm. so they he ended up kind of segregating them completely out and it was just his so we looked into it and we we you know we met with the franchise and did a development schedule for just for for uh two stores and you know i knew that i could open it at a relatively reasonable cost because Mm -hmm. of you know contractors and i knew i could get reasonable rent here and everything like that so uh we just wanted to diversify and then we opened up the first one and we had the biggest single week store opening in the history of the system we did fifty six thousand dollars in business the first week incredible they they had to rewrite the recipes literally on the fly like we were we were i was was like i can't like we were juicing lemons fresh oh my god and i was like i I have to pay somebody to stand here seven hours a day and juice lemons like we we cannot do this like we have to use you know the Mm -hmm. i mean the juice really isn't worth the squeeze on this one right like i was like we were so i'm like we got to use a bottle so there were all these things that kind of happened um that but again like i was very comfortable with that because i had been part of a system that was very tenured and very structured because they had a you know 500 stores before i ever got involved in the system i knew that this was going to be kind of a hot mess right Mm -hmm. there was five stores open before i opened 
Really? I didn't realize it was that little. And that was part of the enticement for me. As I sit here right now running the brand, Right. I really thought that I was going to play a role in shaping the brand. I didn't think I was going to be running the brand. I had no intentions of that. But I thought I would be like on the corporate staff as like a key contributor or consultant given my history of background in food service. I thought this was a realistic possibility. Right. And that's why I was willing to roll the dice on, you know, a little bit of an unknown concept because Mm -hmm. I thought we could help shape the brand. Which is interesting too, I think, I mean, being an edible and like you said, not being invested in one single brand, seeing the leadership there and saying like, you know, in case this doesn't work out because of their leadership, then putting yourself in a position where you could become the leadership. I think that that makes sense logistically when you're like in your mind evaluating opportunities. Yeah, the best thing about the edible leadership is that it's taught me exactly what not to do. Right. As far as like running a franchise brand. Right. You know, like lack of transparency, supply chain, things of that nature, just things that, you know, and and it's easy to work with Ron in these particular situations because we're in lockstep on those thought processes, right? Because like when we were doing well at Edible in 2013 and 14, when it was really doing well, I would have done anything you asked me to do. Like, I, I mean, I would have been like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll be there, I'll do it. Roll, send it to me. Like, mm-hmm. I'll test it. You know, no problem. But they started doing things, you know, like they make a kickback on all of our produce purchases. I don't have a problem with that. I just need to know what it is. Mm-hmm. And where's that money going? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's in business to make money. I don't, I don't know our feelings. Right. So, you know, we would never do that. Like, you know, we're 100% transparent with all of our rebates from all of our vendors. And we tell the franchisees exactly where their money goes. Mm-hmm. It's part of trust. And building trust between the franchisees and the, the people in charge and knowing that they have your best interests in mind. And in franchising, these are people that have chosen to invest a significant <laughs> right. amount of money to open a business under and fly your flag, the, the mm-hmm. flag of the uh, brand. And in many cases, it's everybody, that particular person's life savings. Right. Maybe everything that they've got, they put up for this business. And you have a, a responsibility to do the best that you can to support, you know, the, the growth and the, the success of them and the investors that are supporting you in this brand. So mm-hmm. that's not, I mean, that's a that's a big responsibility mm-hmm. and so because ultimately look, they are in part your shareholders they, 100%, so if, 100%, the, if, if the they, goal is to maximize you know shareholder profits then or shareholder um what's the word i'm looking for value value really yeah. Yeah. yeah return return that's yeah. the word then they should be your first priority mm-hmm. well you're absolutely right and so they ultimately pay our salary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the way franchising works is you pay a royalty to the franchisor um, and that funds pretty much the, the operation at the franchisor level. So it is, you know, these aren't easy jobs right. and it's, it's not easy to create a business and run a business. And so we're, we're not perfect. We don't get it right, uh, obviously, and all the time, but it is back to the communication, the trust, and hopefully that all of the experience that we've gained over the years, I feel like that we've got a very diverse set of skills. We have 
our career paths have given given us a lot of different experience in multiple arees of running a business you just adapt that'll be interesting so if you the last part of it is probably going to be very different audio we apologize for the technical difficulties it's been a lot trying to get this new setup working here with three microphones but um it happens i didn't want to leave it out because obviously that's good information good conversation but you both ended up in this position with a simple greek are now together in a very very small environment very small team working to leverage this position into something greater i guess let's just wrap it up with some questions about what advice would you give to people who are looking to start their own venture and whether that's whatever business they're in coming out of college and are starting something on their own what mistakes have you learned that you would pass on I mean I feel like I'm stealing this from other people but it's just everybody seems so impatient it takes a long time to be sick I've been in business now 15 years and I'm just now starting to feel like financially comfortable mm-hmm. like where I'm not like feel like I'm you know one slip or two away from like <laughs> like done <laughs> yeah i mean and that, that's a lot you know it's like people open these franchise whatever business it is they open it and they think they're going to be successful right away that is really really rare every once in a while you'll step on something like that or you'll fumble into it or you know i don't know especially like and i don't want to poke fun at the generation but like they they'll develop an app and then they'll get rich and mm-hmm. that's great i think mm-hmm. that's fantastic but most business is just a grind it is a long hard working 18 hour a day grind and if you're not built for that go work for somebody else there's yeah. nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. like you know i mean be a plumber like they make great money. hell my plumber probably makes more money than i do the guy that i use it cuz he's got a crew and everything. so mm-hmm. j- just like be patient and be self aware and just understand like you know can you function on 5 hours of sleep all the time mm-hmm. like you better be able to if you're going to be in business cuz like you know can you start at 5:00 can you get your workout in you know at five o'clock in the morning so that by 6 30 you're ready to start the work day or whatever the case may be or take care of your family mm-hmm. you know like if you get your kids to school or whatever it is you better just be real comfortable understanding how you are and you better be ready to put in a long time mm-hmm. i just think people think that success comes easier but and like you said like it's you said it earlier you're like people think business is glamorous mm-hmm. and like my business partner in the simple greek who isn't involved in the day-to-day anymore sean he was like it's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. It was like I'm cleaning out drains, I'm fixing toilets that are broken. Right. You know, I'm constantly, you know, on a on a ladder with a drill. I mean, I carry my tools in my car, you Same. know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when people are like, "Oh, you're the CEO." I'm like, "I know." Like I'm I'm really <laughs> I'm not like man. I am. I, you know what I mean? Like I'm the do whatever needs to be done guy. Mm-hmm. Like is there an acronym for that because it would be pretty long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's just I th- your advice is great patience in general is just the 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 thought that people want to be successful today overnight it just doesn't happen right. um my wife and i have talked about this often it's we make this look easy and it is not easy <laughs> we've been doing it a long time right. and we show up to work every day right. and put in the work and whatever that challenge is that day and and in small biz- when you're a small business owner 
it's not like you've gone to accounting school, right? And now you're just doing the finances of the business or that you've been a, you know, you're right. into marketing school and now you're just doing marketing. You are, or HR, you're doing everything, <laughs> including the maintenance and the IT. Right. And, and it is overwhelming the job of being a small business owner. And so you have to be comfortable not knowing what to do in many situations, but you do have to show up and put in the work. Your idea, the concept may be great, but just because you put up whatever the number is, say it's a quarter of a million dollars to open a location and you've gone through the whole process, spent a year getting your store ready to go and you open it up, you know, just lots of time and effort and energy, bought all the materials, you put the sign out front and it's beautiful and you open the door and you're expecting success, you got a, got another thing coming, right? Uh, Just hanging yeah. a sign out and mm-hmm. having a beautiful store doesn't mean that customers success follows. Come. That's no. exactly right. And even if customers do show up, maybe you've got a great business that has high market demand. Just because they show up doesn't mean that you're going to get it right. Mm-mm. If you if you haven't paid your you know if you don't have uh, you know probably some of that base level of experience around operational management, people management, it becomes a challenge or a you know a priority on taking care of guests. Your guests show up right. and you make them mad. They may never come back. Small business ownership or yeah. business ownership in general is hard. And mm-hmm. so you have to make that decision. Is this for you mm-hmm. to do? Mm-hmm. It's not glamorous. It's it is it's hard work. And you yeah. have to be willing to put in that hard work. And some people want to be able to shut it off at five or six. Right. And this is a job that you don't shut off. Mm-mm. You have too many responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Right. You just have to be able to compartmentalize it, right? I mean, like, because you're not, I mean, you're going to be on, your teller windows are open like 18 hours a day, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's, and I think people see people that are successful that have gotten to that level after like 15 or so years, and they think that that came like right at the beginning, you know? Like, my truck is a lot nicer today than it was 15 (laughs) years ago, right? Like, I mean, and and, and, I remember vividly the the first Chick-fil-A that I saw was in our mall, in southern west virginia mm-hmm. and it was you know we opened my dad opened a restaurant inside that mall and the same time chick-fil-a opened a restaurant in that mall and of course my dad was in business for seven or eight years and then that ended up he closed it and whatnot it did okay but then the chick-fil-a was still there and i remember people talking about chick-fil-a and be like that guy's got a bunch of kids running that place and i'm thinking that dude was in that building from open to close for 10 straight years, at least. Mm-hmm. I, every time I went there, he was there, and he was covered in flour and chicken. <laughs> and like So, yes, he uh-huh. now has young people that run it. But for 10 years, for 3,650 days, yeah. he was there. Well, with the exception of Sundays, obviously. He yeah. was there every day. Mm-hmm. Like, so, eh, don't be judging that guy now, you know what I mean? Because he was there, and that's what it takes. I mean, and that that's the, you know, that is that's the one thing. Like, my dad, he wasn't you know, a wealth of information or anything, but I can tell you my dad went to work yep. every day. He was gone before I got out of bed and he came home after I was, you know, he came home late. He never yep. missed anything. I mean, but, and that was, you know, that was just the standard that he set. So it was easy. It was kind of easy for me to get on board with that, but he owned his own businesses. And yep. I just thought that's, Hey, that's, this is what you do. So that's mm-hmm. just the norm. It's what you do. Mm-hmm. And then if I look at growing up with a single mother who was a, literally a kid having kids mm-hmm. 
and should have been getting all kinds of assistance, mm-hmm. but chose to work three jobs instead, you know, and that left a very lasting impression on me as a kid. I don't even know if she knows that, but whatever your circumstances, you got to go put in the work. And yeah. she was putting in the work. We weren't, we still didn't have any money, but she was, it wasn't because she wasn't working because yeah. she was, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, you do have to, well, you have I, to be willing to put in the effort. I think that speaks a lot to sacrifice and what you're willing to sacrifice at the time. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and I think, th- I think to some, what I get from younger people sometimes is, you know, they, like you say, how they start a job or how they leave a job and things like that. Like if you really want to be in business for yourself, then whatever it is you're doing while you're working it, like be amazing at it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I always yeah. think of the Fred factor, you know, where he was, it was about a po- the, you know, about the post office guy, the, the mail carrier. And he was like, they wrote a book about him because he was like, if I'm going to be a mail carrier, why would I not want to be the best mail carrier in the United States Postal Service? Mm-hmm. So he did all these extraordinary things carrying the mail. And they were like, well, you're just carrying the mail. And he was like, it's not just mail to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going right. to do it, I'm going to do it exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. And I think if you approach things with that attitude, you know, at a young age and like, okay, so my first job is McDonald's, but I'm literally going to be the best employee at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You'll progress mm-hmm. because as business owners, we are starving, <laughs> starving for people that want to shine. Right. right. I mean, we will, pro- I will promote and pay those people like like that they like, stick out like a oh. sore thumb i think well i think that's what's the difference between my people that are my age is that we don't or i say this generally this isn't everybody but we don't want to invest our time into something that we're not passionate about so if you don't care about mcdonald's or you don't care about carrying mail why would you try and be the best if that's if you don't want to progress in that area? That's why I think it's important for people to find at least something closely related to what they want to do because then that'll lead to other areas that are possibly what they want to do in the future. I mean, there's something to be said about just getting your foot in the door anywhere just so that you have experience. Yeah. But I think that's why maybe it is harder because people our age have seen, like social media makes it so you can see everything that you want to do. It might be a little bit... More, people it's a may false think it's, reality. Yeah, though. people yeah. think it's easier because they see so many other yeah. people doing and, it. And the advice I would give them is, I, I I don't disagree. Like I would tell my kids, like definitely do what you're passionate about, right? But like the main passion you have to have is be passionate about winning, <laughs> right? You be, because you you can win at anything. Like I don't care. Like if we left right here right now and we put a trash can out there, I'm like, who could throw the most rocks in it? Like I would be out there like trying to beat your, the life out of you all <laughs> by throwing the most rocks in the garbage can. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care what it is. Like I want to win. Mm-hmm. I just, I, like, and so, then when you weren't throwing rocks, I'd be out there while you were gone trying right, to figure out how to get right, that right. Trying to get one <laughs> so up on me, right? right? Like I don't care what it is. Like I want to beat you at it. Mm-hmm. Like so you know that translates into anything that you want to do so like if you're at mcdonald's like you know okay i'm going to figure out a way to make hamburgers two seconds faster than the fastest guy at mcdonald's right right? like i'm going to figure out i'm a domino's pizza i'm going to be able to make pizzas with no mistakes but i'm going to do it faster than everybody else does it do we expect you to work your entire career domino's pizza no. no. Of, matter of fact, I want you to go. Right. 
I want to help you get there. Right. But in the meantime, I want you to be the best damn edible arrangements delivery driver that I've ever seen because then you'll figure out how to be the best damn whatever it is at whatever you love to do. Well, and see, I think that's, I was going to say, I think that's important for people to hear because they think that it doesn't matter. But people are watching you no matter where, where you are and they're going to support you in whatever venture you have next. That, it's the that was the perspective I was most. going to add. That's a really good point, Nicole, because if regardless whether you care about the job or not, mm-hmm. it's the people and the connections that you make while you're there and how they tell your story Perceive along the way. You. And so mm-hmm. if your boss and your boss's boss or the and the owner all have seen you along the way and now you leverage that into whatever else you do next how powerful is it for an owner to be your referral to whatever that next position is Mm -hmm. you just you just that's the value in doing a great job wherever you go it teaches you good habits number one Mm -hmm. right about how to approach your work but number two you're able to leverage those relationships to get you other places faster and that is why you know just simply showing up to work and checking the box is not a is not a winning strategy and in this day and age i, t- I tell my son this because he would love to play college basketball right <laughs> i tell him like it's 2020 you're on camera every minute of the day mm-hmm. practice every game's recorded now mm-hmm. every game Every practice you go to, there's probably a video camera there. Mm-hmm. Like, you want a college coach to recruit you? Make, force him to find a game film where you didn't give your best effort. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I've been looking through all these games trying to find one where he mailed it in and I can't find one. Right. Like, force them to find a reason not to recruit you instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to play like a maniac every time you play. I know it sucks. Sometimes you ain't feeling it. I get it. Like, I can mail it in at work some days. <laughs> we just don't have that luxury anymore, man. It's a totally different era, you know. Mm-hmm. So I get why people want to do what they're passionate about. I totally understand that. But you, you still, you gotta, you got to attack. You know, thinking about the decisions that kids have to make, and I didn't realize this, this at the time, but you're really making financial decisions that are pretty big about what you're going to do the rest of your life at a time when you have no idea you don't even you don't have enough life experience to to know what you want to do and yet you're in high school going let me pick a major Mm -hmm. and go to college and then invest four years either in that major or switching majors and still have no idea what i want to do when i get out because i really don't have any life experience to to know what I like doing. Mm-hmm. Yet I've just spent a bunch of money on an education that I hope that I'm going to be able to use right. at right. some point in the future unless you know you're going to be a you know something with highly specialized skills that require that. It is it's a tough a tough and that's why you see many people that have a college degree that aren't don't using use the degree it. in the way that they, mm-hmm. you know, right. were planning to but right. but it you know that environment of going to class and doing the work it, it does give you a discipline if you're actually doing that mm-hmm. work yeah. in your case you're working you're on a, a power lifting team you're doing this type of uh, stuff you've got multiple jobs so mm-hmm. it's not like you're just going to school and partying all the time right this well that is, was my way to supplement it it was like if i if i i don't know what i'd go crazy if i didn't 
do something that I actually care about. I mean, you do squeeze a party in every now and again. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. yeah. All right. <laughs> Wait, I mean, especially it would be a lot more too if this wasn't going on. But well, right. you know, yeah, it is... happens. But no, I mean, I met people. I think my sophomore year that they would just go to class and then go home, and that was it. And that's just like I couldn't conceptualize that they didn't work or like do anything outside of it. And I was like, how do you just I. Yeah, that's 16, 17 hours a week. What are you doing? Exactly. What are right. you doing? Yeah, there's so much other time that you can use towards yeah. other things. Especially when you want to hear those people complain, right? Like, oh, I don't have any money or I don't have any like, like, well, you got a lot of time. Right. Like, you could do something with it. Right. Most valuable asset you have. Right. So, um, just maybe one last thing. What What is one of the best memories you have? From, it could be from a work experience, from a personal experience over the last few years that you can remember. I remember so vividly the night before I opened my first edible arrangements, which was first my first business that I owned all by myself. And I, I was staying, I was, we would just finish like putting the finishing touches on the store and I'm outside the plaza, which is literally just right up the street. It's mm-hmm. now a nail salon. <laughs> but I stood outside of it, and the sign was lit up, and it was lighted on. And I just stood in the parking lot, and I cried. <laughs> you know, I was like, I. it was the culmination of, like, what I knew that I kind of wanted to do. I knew I wanted to, you know, be in business. And, you know, I knew I didn't want to work for anybody else. And that was kind of the first step on that journey, you know. And I, just, I can still see, you know, I can still really clearly see that moment. You know, just standing out, the signs lit up and the parking lots lit up. And you're just like, you know, tomorrow it's going to actually happen. It's mm-hmm. going to be really fun. So I remember it really clearly. It is so weird that you say that because that's how each of these build outs where we've chosen to open a store uh, has gone. Because we don't just hire people to go do that work. We are there with our drill in hand, you know, all the way through the the final process, we're dealing with inspectors, we're dealing with contractors, we're uh, suppliers, unpacking boxes, putting stuff on shelves, Uh, your mom and I, and you guys have been there with us as well. Mm -hmm. And when you are involved in the beginning of the process of signing on the dotted line to open the place, and then you go through the thousands of items it's a giant checklist that you have to go through to even get the place open but it is a process and it's it is a grind and then you take this empty building that turns into a beautiful retail facility and at the end when you've gotten your permits your sign is up and you're getting ready to open the place and by the way you're dog tired because you have (laughs) you have literally put in the hours and i remember one night specifically where i was up the entire night trying to get our phone system going because we were opening the next day i didn't go to sleep i didn't change clothes i didn't Mm -hmm. shower i Mm -hmm. literally stayed up the entire night working on this thing and then you you stand there when it's ready to the the switch is ready to be flipped and you're ready to open and you look at this thing that you built it's literally a a creation that you were involved in and you go wow this is this Mm -hmm. is really cool Mm -hmm. and and you take pride in that and i think then it's thinking about all the people that you're responsible for as part of that process because Mm -hmm. along with that your your decisions are impacting others and having you know an impact on their livelihood and how they take care of their family so it's it's pretty cool so glad to be a part of it and ron mentioned it early 
earlier about good luck and the definition of being uh, or of good luck is uh, opportunity meeting preparation. We have been preparing a long time, you know, we have long careers and we feel like that we're in a spot now where we could do some pretty special things with all the experience that we've gotten over the years. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to the, to the next step. Maybe, uh, you know, as we get a little further into the process, we'll be able to share more information about what we're doing Mm -hmm. and, you know, go to step two or podcast two or whatever it is. I want to end it, but at the same time, I have have so many questions now popping into my head. You, when you do so much, what is, how do you, how do you get it all done? What's something you do every single day that keeps you sane? Because some people, a lot of people would crumble under the stress. When you have all these jobs, you have all these things that you're doing constantly every single day. It's like, is there one thing that you do just like? Like now when Ron's phone is just like going right. crazy. Right, yeah. You, you, you get comfortable not getting it all done. And that's right. where, that's where like, I have a problem, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I want to be able to get it all done, mm-hmm. but I can't. I remember like my, my kids, little, used to come in and off. So I'm like, Daddy, when are you going to be done working? I'm like, I'm never done. I just <laughs> decide to stop. Right. Yeah. So you just decide to stop. I mean, you got to get comfortable with that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and a lot, like, I love crossing stuff off lists. I mean, I do. I love getting things done. And, but there just, there just comes a time when you're just like, this will wait till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the good news is when you're in business for yourself, you know that you can put those things off or you can you can take that time off or you can do whatever it is you need to do it just costs you money so just get comfortable mm-hmm. you know making less you know in certain circumstances you mm-hmm. know like I, I love this job especially the job that we're doing right now it's super interesting to me i think it's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity but i've already told everybody it's my son's senior year of basketball on Tuesdays and Fridays. I'm going to be at the gym, and I'm going to be unavailable from 6.30 until 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm not answering. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, it could be on fire. Call the fire department. <laughs> I'm not answering. Like, I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. so you just have to, again, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a mm-hmm. little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially if you're like us and you like to get things done and scratch things off lists and get them completed. But, you know, eventually you just have to get in that mindset that, you know, some things will just wait. The yeah. hardest part is when you miss something. Like, that's what really drives me crazy is because sometimes yeah. I do forget and, like, I miss something and then I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. crap, I forgot to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it really had to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, the, that's, that's when you're like, oops. You just hope it's not so, such a big mistake that you can't overcome. <laughs> right, so detrimental. Most of the time that somebody's reminding you, that's you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. normally you've got enough people on your yeah. team that are like, hey, we really got to have this or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, most of the time you just decide to stop. That, I think that is the struggle. It's just setting setting those boundaries sometimes with yourself. Mm-hmm. It, there is always something to do, and you know that, right? Yeah. I mean, she, oh, yeah. She knows that, yeah. The work never stops. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's not work, it's something, I mean, there's something, you know, your gutters are clogged in your house or, you know, you got to close right. your pool. I mean, I had to close my pool the other day. You guys live in Texas. You don't have to close your pool. I had to close my pool and winterize it. Right. You know, I'm too cheap to pay $500 to have somebody come in and close it for me. So, it's because you can do it yourself. Saturday right. afternoon, right? I mean, right. that was the way it goes. So, you just, I mean, it's like I said, you just, you, you can't, you know, like I said, you can't let it bother you. Like some people can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so they probably shouldn't be in business. If you're not comfortable just letting it go and shutting it off a little bit, then you're going to, you know, if you, you might just need to punch a clock. And that, like I said, that's great because yeah. we need employees. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs employees. Well, I mean, just, I mean, I've felt this a little bit, even just when you wake up and then all the thoughts like rush into your head of like, 
I gotta do this, you know? Some, mm-hmm. pe- some people just can't physically handle that amount mm-hmm. of like responsibility every single day. True. I will share with you something that I, uh, one of my bosses told me many years ago. Great guy, one of the hardest working guys I've ever met. And his, his nickname was Crazy Joe. <laughs> he, he owned a safety equipment distribution mm-hmm. company, uh, second, second uh, company that I worked for. And he said, the, the, an idle mind is the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I remember laughing at that. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, you know, most of the mistakes that I've made in my life are when I'm sitting around, you know, at that time with a lot of idle time, mm-hmm. you know, getting myself into trouble or making bad decisions. And as I, as I progressed and just added more work and more work and more work, I realized I didn't have time to get in trouble because I was, you know, right. there was always something to do. So yeah, you, you really figure so, out like, yeah, I can't do this just cause I literally can't fit it That's in. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So now the, the question is where, where do you draw that line? You know, right. where, where do you stop? I think about, you know, our, our boss in this venture, and all that he's all the demands right. on his time and how does he get it all done you know um, and it's finding good people yeah but i i think people in business have a mindset too from the work standpoint is is they kind of wear it a little bit as a badge of honor right i mean i've always mm-hmm. said there's you know people that are, that are going to be they're going to out talent me they're going to outsmart me I, I like i'm not gonna let anybody outwork me mm-hmm. i'm just not gonna like because I, I can control that right i can't control whether or not your iq is 200 and mine's not <laughs> or if you can you know you have some sort of innate talent and i don't mm-hmm. like nothing i can do about that but i i, I can i can function on four hours of sleep a day so i can sure as hell outwork you if mm-hmm. i have to so you know that that's kind of always been a mindset of mine to just you know whether I can or I can't I believe that I can right Mm -hmm. I believe that I can literally outwork everybody I've heard our boss say that you know you're his guy because you show up every day Mm -hmm. you do the work yeah and it may not I I ain't never quit yet right you know I make tons of mistakes but you can't the the effort is there may not be perfect but at least you're showing up and doing and don't you love those people even if they make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely. nothing. I, I tell that to my employees all the time. Like, there's nothing I would love more than to see a shaped, like a U-shaped hole in the wall. You know what I mean? Like, because you just hit it full speed, bam. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, I'd love uh-huh. that. Like, go make some mistakes. Like, right. go break some eggs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and, and kind of like he brought up earlier, like, Ron doesn't need to sign off on all this. Like, no, I would prefer that, like, they they just do the work and they're, mm-hmm. maybe they get some things I wouldn't call them wrong maybe I just don't agree with them mm-hmm. not wrong mm-hmm. just not maybe how I would have done it but who cares yeah, mm-hmm. at least you're making an impression at least you're doing something you're not just yeah. being complacent in whatever position that you're in I had this awful soccer coach in, co- in high school we only played one year when we only had a team one year because we didn't start soccer until I was a senior and he was he knew nothing about soccer he was just there for the check <laughs> But he said something to me that resonated, and I've used it a thousand times. And he looked at me one time, and he looked at the team, and he said, do something, even if it's wrong. Just don't stand there. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I was like, okay. I so that. I would just go run <laughs> right. over top of somebody or, you know, kick the ball in the stands or whatever right. the case may be. So right. I've always kind of said, like, I'm just going to do something. I'm just mm-hmm. not going to stand here and let it happen to me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it. Throw occur some, throw something against yeah. the wall and see if it sticks and i kind of love employees that operate like that right i don't have a lot of them because they op- they so don't want to make a mistake mm-hmm. you know you've probably had them too they want to add time. they run a rule they want to run everything by you because then <clears throat> if it's not right they'd be like well you told me that's right uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hedge right. their bets there, right? They kind of drive me crazy. Like, I'd rather see them say, well, I tried this, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Awesome. Now you know what not to do. Right. You know, like, it's, it, but it's hard to find those people. Like, they're, they're kind of a rare breed, especially to get them to work for you because they don't work for anybody very long. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if they're comfortable in that genre, they typically move on. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really like, I, when I get them, like, I really kind of latch on to them. Somebody that doesn't want a built-in excuse for everything that they do, they just want to do and live with, like, whatever. And, it, mm-hmm. like, and I, we try to foster and engender that type of thought process because you're basically getting to do it for free. Well, actually, you're, you're actually making money. Like, I'm paying you to gain your own life experiences, and there's nothing I would love more for you to do it and then move on because I know for the time that I would have you, it would, it would be valuable for us. Mm-hmm. It would be good for our organization, you know? So it's just hard getting people to do it. Still, it goes back to insecurities and a, a paycheck and having, uh, having your decisions potentially impacted. And this, you know, really is if you've created the right culture, it shouldn't be that way. Right. I think, yeah, it's a lot about who you're in, you're working for to mm-hmm. feeling comfortable enough to even do that or bring new ideas to them feel like you're being heard but no yeah that's definitely good advice and I think yeah I think everything you said has been great it's been really good to hear your story and some of the experiences that you've had do you have any final words before we end it off there were a couple of things that I was going to ask you about some of your other podcasts that you mentioned what (laughs) can't remember what they were Uh, you talked about your college degree being a generic degree yeah because we don't have to start another podcast we can save that i know (laughs) well i mean because it is in turn well see okay if you're in my position and you were in my classes and you were getting the curriculum that i get you would see why i feel that way because i don't feel like there have been some classes that have been great like i love my business minor love it those have been the some of my favorite classes to take but in terms of my degree the communication and leadership degree at ut is a new concept it's new they've only had it for like two years Mm -hmm. so they're kind of like we're kind of like they're guinea pigs right so i feel like i'm not getting the full experience that i could have if i had maybe done picked Mm -hmm. something a little bit different but yeah we can talk about that later (laughs) yeah but i mean the good news is at a young age i think the best thing more so than the answers are the questions right Mm -hmm. i mean like as long as you're constantly asking you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i'm like i feel like one thing i'm comfortable is i'm constantly always second guessing myself Mm -hmm. right not in a way that breeds from insecurity but in a way that breeds from i want more advice i want more data i want more people's input right because i because i don't need to be right Mm -hmm. not about being right about winning right? right so i mean i think the fact that you're thinking eh, i don't know about this or i mean the questions should probably give you comfort and you who know? am i to say it's not working i'm literally doing that's right that's, 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 i mean started yet sitting here right. and like talking as a you know it's a communication degree what can i say you know mm-hmm. so well i think you know as we talked about a, a, a college plan and by the way uh, the degree is a ticket to the dance right right I mean, really that's yeah. what it is ultimately you'd like to have it tie into what you're going to be doing the rest of your life but one thing that you know certainly all this business experience has taught me is that the better you are at communicating the more rapidly you will advance actually you'll separate yourself in very quickly in pretty much any organization and Mm -hmm. so it is a skill that is highly valued and 
whatever that position that you're in. It doesn't matter what you're doing that day. If you're communicating well across the organization, across your business partners, cross-functionally, you're going to stand out. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you know, your, your degree is highly valuable. You may not see that today, Mm -hmm. but it is a, it is a uh, degree that you, you will use the rest of your life for sure. It'll, Mm -hmm. it will, it will serve you very well. And not everybody can do what you're doing right now, by the way. Right. Yeah. I think that's also part of it is that because I've never had an issue public speaking, like that's never been when we were in high school and they'd say like, Oh, you got to do a speech it'd be kind of interesting i'd be like oh that'd be fun and i would never write anything down i'd just stand up and literally talk so to me it's that's why i was thinking i was like maybe i should have done something else because communication isn't like that difficult for me you know like (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i think too because it's part you know watching you speak it just i think like you've taught me sometimes more than some of the classes i've taken that's why i say that but no i i get why it's important and how it makes a huge difference i mean i've seen that in some of the jobs that i've had even so far i've been lucky to have really flexible bosses that have really been generous with allowing me to be creative and give them feedback and talk about the things that i think we could do better so mm-hmm. i've well, seen it play out I'll offer you another perspective on that too. And while you may think it's a generic degree, think about if you went to school for 10 years, let's say you you wanted to be a doctor Mm -hmm. and you got out after 10 years and a lot of debt and you hated what being a doctor. Yeah. And I can't imagine and wanted to switch courses, switch paths at that time, how difficult that would be. You have a degree that gives you a mountain of choices, and you know I know that sometimes a lot of choices is is not paralysis of choice. Yeah, but at the same time, it allows you to see, go out and play in Mm -hmm. the real world, and find what is important to you and what you like and you love. And then, you know, the ticket to the dance you're in now. Now you just got to figure out what you really like doing and go do it. Just experiment. Mm -hmm. There was one other thing too, Hmm. and that was about something you said about cussing oh yeah because when oh when we were younger well i always felt like i being the oldest it's difficult because you're the first child and Mm -hmm. like i always got great grades Mm -hmm. i never like if i did go out and party in high school i never like revealed that Mm -hmm. i was always like the very partied in high school Mm -hmm. oh yeah we partied a lot (laughs) in high school so like that's the thing is that you just don't you just don't (laughs) There are things that you keep you, to yourself you think because we were you preserve just born last night, right? Huh? You think we were just born last no, night? No, right? but you preserve this <laughs> image, you know, that you have and you think that, you know, you don't want to break that when you're like the the one who's doing it all right as far as like grade-wise, you're getting right. all of that praise like, you know, you hear it. And so you don't want to stretch that. So I just felt like we never, you guys never cussed. You, to, to put it in perspective, you don't, you never cussed in front of us. You didn't drink in front of us. You were very like straight and narrow. So like to me, I was like, okay, well then that's just like something we don't like do, you know. We, we, so I'm glad that we're having this conversation because it's just in context, right? We'd already been through that phase of our life where mm-hmm. we were hellions you know yeah and so we were just at a little different phase at that point and you know trying to lead by example and um 
provide you guys with some general guidance about treating others well, being respectful and polite in public, mm-hmm. you know, and those types of things. And also that, you know, you have to be mindful of your circumstances, situational awareness, you know, when right. and where to be doing things and how that impacts you. And you talked about the online reputation and things, you know, there's a, there's a record of everything that you're doing now, Indeed. especially. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I certainly didn't ever want to leave you with the impression that we never cussed or we never drank <laughs> well, not, because not that, that is far from the truth not, not that you didn't but that we just didn't see it so it was like yeah. around our family that was just like not a thing that we did even if like because you know it didn't matter to me like those things when I left home because when I was with my friends it didn't matter like it didn't, right. I didn't care but it, like around you guys it was just kind of like one of those things you just like don't you know, it's like a respect thing. So, but there are a lot of, I'm so mad because my mom's sitting over there. There, She's laughing because, and I know that she has crazy stories, but she just hasn't told me. (laughs) Like, you know, I know her and her family have crazy stories. I just haven't heard them. You'll get them eventually. So, Don't come around. Don't come around. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't come around. So. So... I know Ron doesn't really cuss much. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I mean, at all. I haven't heard but, but it like, once. But, but here, here, here's the interesting thing about that is, like, I feel like the the thing that that gives me comfort in communicating with people is, are they genuinely just communicating to me in a manner in which is authentic mm-hmm. for them? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be like f- authentic for me is fuck mm-hmm. i mean like that, yeah, that i mean that yeah. that's it, and i use it more i'd say as like a, an adjective like a description i don't direct it at people like right. hey you know f mm-hmm. you like i don't really do that like it's more like it's just part of my vernacular as and that's just me mm-hmm. right and uh, trust me there are situations where i have to curtail that and it's, <laughs> it, 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 it depends on what it is and again mm-hmm. another thing that i like working for myself is I don't have to curtail it as much, right? right? It's just, it's how I communicate. I'm comfortable in that way. And he doesn't use near the degree of foul language that is. But <laughs> the fact that he doesn't, doesn't make it uncomfortable in our communication. It, it does because I know how he's communicating to me is authentic in how he communicates. Right. He's not trying to communicate to me in a manner that that he's trying to talk to me like he thinks I want to be talked to. He's just talking to me like how he talks. Mm-hmm. So I'm comfortable as long as everybody's being genuine and authentic in and of themselves because that's the that's in any team that I work with I want to engender the situation where like you can just act however it is that you want to act and if it's got to be laced with some colorful metaphors I'm perfectly comfortable (laughs) with that if it's not it's not Mm -hmm. I'm just okay with that right Mm -hmm. like so you know it's like my son uses foul language and he was like you don't have a problem with that I'm like no I care if you're kind to people and I care how you treat them and Mm -hmm. I care about I'm like now like you can't use language like that and direct it at people, right? right? Like if you use it as a like, you know, I mean, if you want like, man, I couldn't make an effing shot today. Like, I don't right. care about that. Like that, right. that, that just doesn't bother me, right? right. Like, so, mm. you know, like, but it, it, I, I care about a lot of things. That's just one of the things that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like that's not everybody's parenting style. Then parent how you want to parent. I don't have a problem with that. Like, so it, it's, it's, for me, communication is about, and it's funny that my mom taught speech, mm-hmm. public speaking. Oh, really? 30, 36 years in the public school Holy system. Yeah. She taught oh, my advanced, gosh. Yeah, she taught advanced placement English and public speaking. So I had to take her my mm-hmm. senior year because she was the only teacher that taught it. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So we had to do like impromptu speeches and tribute speeches and all these different things. So we had an actual class mm-hmm. in high school. Um, so I'm, I'm very much with you. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable in front of people and it doesn't bother me. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think 
for me, the communication is just as long as you're communicating in a way that's comfortable with you and it's authentic, like, because the last thing I'd ever want anybody to describe me as is like fake mm-hmm. or not genuine. Like mm-hmm. that would, that would cause me like, and now there's plenty <laughs> of people that don't like me mm-hmm. or, or like the way that I communicate or I'm polarizing or this, I that. that doesn't bother me. But if they were like, you're fake. I'd have to I'd have to be introspective if somebody yeah. told me that. Like mm-hmm. that would concern me. I would mm-hmm. be like, ooh, like that. I don't. I don't. Everybody want to think that I'm just telling them what they want to hear or trying to deliver it in a way that they want to hear. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever works for you know you and how you. I mean, if you're comfortable communicating that way, you know, I would just say like then you're just gonna have to communicate that way because mm-hmm. if it's not genuine, it will show. Right. Yeah. I think it's just time and place. You know, it's there's a time and a place. And mm-hmm. you just got to be situationally aware of where it will serve yeah. you well and where it won't. But we do cuss and we still fuss. <laughs> and we just may not be doing it around Liz you. Liz asked you the other day if you drank. Yeah, she did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she did. Well, and, and so, that's the, right? Well, okay, but that's the thing. It's funny that you bring that up because so I had a really, so I had a very diverse friend group. And so I got to see a lot of different parenting experiences from all those different people. And it's just, you just have, it's a different in relationship environment when you have parents that drink and that curse and that have this like, I'm gonna, I'm your parent, but I'm also your friend type relationship. And it's just, you know, it's different. And so when you don't have that, it's just, mm-hmm. you preserve some things. <laughs> and it's funny, it, I mean, it's funny. You never know what's going to leave a lasting right. impression on someone. Well, it's funny because it even is. though I probably do use more foul language than the average, and, and I don't drink much. I drink on a case, you know what I mean? But, like, I mean, we have had conversation with our kids, like, we ain't friends. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. not yet. I mean, not you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, my job right now is to raise you as, like, a, you That's know, right. a kind, responsible human being. Like, that is my job mm-hmm. right now. Like, so, like, there will be times when you don't like me and I'm perfectly okay with that, mm-hmm. right? So, it is interesting to see other family dynamics, though, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I see it in my son's, you know, friends group. I can see the parents that are a little bit more, like, making sure that the kids are walking the line and then, you know, the kids that are just kind of like doing whatever they want to do. We have a responsibility as parents to raise good humans. Right. And that's how we take that responsibility seriously. For sure. And as parents, we've made plenty of mistakes in that area too. I mean, it's just there, it's, it's hard to to do it and do it well and not screw up your kids. And we feel fortunate that we've got two really good kids, but we also know that we haven't parented them perfectly either. And we don't expect that we didn't expect that we would. Um, we just been trying to do the best we could and do it better than our parents did. And hopefully they'll do it better than we do, you know? So, but you know, whether it's drinking or cussing, uh, we've got lots of stories around. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sure. So, so, it's what? We're over that though. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. We're getting, getting, yeah. Right. Crazy. It, it's, I mean, like, I, 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 like if I had more than two drinks, I'd probably be out for like two days. Yeah. Like I literally would be incapacitated. Like I just can't, you go, oh my God. But see, it's, it's interesting too, from my perspective, because I don't, uh, I don't mind it, but because I do powerlifting, it just doesn't make sense. Right. So it's harder. Yeah. But. Well, that's it. It's a trade-off. Right? Yeah. Right. It is a blast while you're doing it in the moment. 
it's the right. yeah, when that su- moment is over sucks, then, and, yeah. and yeah. that's where you know at some point i finally got to that point where it's like it's not worth it it, it, <laughs> it just it gradually you know slowed down yeah. where it was like it's the older you get, the harder it is to recover from those. Right. Mm-hmm. And plus, you don't make yeah. great decisions when you're in those states. So yeah. we did. Uh, yeah, we I think did. I might be out of space. We did Jack party. Daniels and pancakes back on football Saturday or Saturdays at WVU. Like, okay. I mean, can you imagine drinking Jack Daniels eight in the morning like, oh, for a noon kickoff? I mean, like, oh yeah, no, we did that at Texas OU uh, last year. I, like, we got on the bus at like nine and uh, people were already pouring shots that's what i'm saying like like, oh th- like and, and again like i could have do that back then but like the thought of doing that now yeah <laughs> and plus like i'm so like in business and you're open 18 hours a day and like i feel like i have to be so on point you know what i mean like and just you know alcohol takes away from me being able to be like as sharp mm-hmm. as i need to be yeah and i sometimes i might need to be sharp at nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. like i don't always I, I can't just be sharp from nine to five right that's the difference so, too when you run your own business it's like you can get a phone call at whatever uh, hour no question yeah. and, and you got to be able to eloquently answer that and stuff like that especially if you want to command the respect of the people that are working for you which right. that i mean that's a critical thing so right. you know it's just like you said and the stuff just it runs listen i you know i enjoy a glass of wine or a beer you know when i come home from work on a you know on occasion but yeah i mean i can't i can't even imagine like drinking a lot like it just it makes me tired just thinking about it right now i need a nap mm-hmm. you know well it compromises my decision for sure <laughs> and, i mean it and my energy levels yeah. like it's like <laughs> i mean in oklahoma people sure. start drinking at what like 15 14 it's different nicole too. i was drinking at, at 14 years old. yeah it's and crazy. i was i wasn't drinking a little right i mean right. i was drinking a lot right because i ran with a, a kids that were 18 19 years old like they were in my neighborhood yeah. so like you know they would be like hey you know I would, they would take me along and i'd be yeah. drinking with them you know yeah. bartles and james wine coolers at the time or whatever the hell it was back in the day you know so yeah there's yeah. there's there's we can do a whole nother podcast on that <laughs> God, for sure yeah. because there's a there's a lot of information that we haven't shared with you about uh, yeah. yeah you know that part of our lives and you know as you get older those are the types of things that yeah. tend to get shared but mm-hmm. so yeah, the good news is you got plenty of time to that's right figure it out right yeah right. hopefully you do yeah so. right so well, i mean before my computer literally explodes or dies because the battery uh-huh. and we've already lost the normal video i swear i need to get a better setup inter- i gotta get a larger card better batteries but i think this has been awesome a lot of fun thank you guys for joining and being so open with all the experiences you had it's been really great since we already did technically final words and some multiple times then <laughs> <laughs> then i think we'll just um wrap it up if Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully we'll have more episodes in the future to come from Ron and Ron. And yeah, I guess I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Yeah. Goodbye. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. That is it. That is the end of my very long conversation with Ron and Ron while we were in Ohio. I thought it was an awesome experience. I'm so glad that I was able to go and we were able to do that. I feel like 
I learned a lot. I hope that you did as well. And yeah, if you liked this episode, make sure to leave a rating and review. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel where the video version of this is uploaded so you can go and watch that as well. You can leave a comment there. Like, subscribe to that channel. That would really help me out as well. And yeah, I hope that you had an amazing day, an amazing week, and I will see you next time. Bye.